The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. I'm back from London. And how was London? Um, the Foo Fighters show was sparsely attended. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's just get right into this because this actually plays into our top story. Oh, it does? Okay. Uh, hang on. Let me look at the lineup that I have not looked at yet. There it is. Okay. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Taylor Swift isn't as powerful as you think. The real story behind Apple blinking over the battle for free streaming music. The connected car, why you need to be afraid, very afraid when it comes to remote access to your vehicle. God save the KGB, the fascist regime, and the brains behind the punk movement, if you believe an aging Russian spy. Plus, one more week for your chance to win a pair of sweet headphones from RHA, and why God isn't dead. He's just at Studio 54. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. With all concert injuries this year, it is distinctly possible you and I are going to pay for those injuries. Yeah, we have had a bad year. It all began with Madonna back at the Brits. Remember the Brits back in February when she tripped on her cape? Too much material, girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that was very clever. Brilliant. So that was that was one. Then we had the edge from you two walking off the stage in Vancouver. Then we had... Um, Dave Grohl breaking his uh, leg. Then we had uh, Enrique Iglesias, who grabbed the drone out of the air and almost cut his hand off. And then we had the guy from Five Seconds of Summer uh, almost go up in flames when a pyro thing went off on stage. Hit him in the head, didn't it? Hit him in the head, yeah. So there was a flash of flame and then some smoke. (laughs) Uh, He's okay. Everybody's okay, if not uh, banged up. So yeah, it's been it's been kind of ugly, and the thing that you have to think about with these things is uh, the various types of insurances that promoters have to take out on these shows, because uh, so much money goes into setting up a show. There's so many hard costs that have to be paid in advance that you need some insurance just in case something horrible goes wrong and the gig has to be canceled or a tour has to be postponed or, or something like that. The biggest concert insurance settlement ever was when Bono hurt his back. And they had to cancel or postpone, I guess, uh, a big chunk of the 362 or by a year. That was a huge payout. And I would imagine that whatever insurance the Foo Fighters had, uh, that's also going to be a big payout because they had to cancel two festival appearances, two sold out shows at Wembley Stadium and a an appearance at Glastonbury. So that's. That's a lot. So we have all those shows canceled, which means with the payout, premiums are going to have to go up. And you know how insurance works, right? You spread the risk around everybody. So if you have a couple of big tours that have to be canceled for whatever reason, the underwriters who take care of these things are going to spread the risk to other shows, other tours, and of course, 
those prices, those inc- those increases will be just passed along to us, the concert um, going public, in the form of higher concert tickets. So this is all interconnected, and there's nothing that we can uh, we can do about it. mentioned Glastonbury. When it comes to the Glastonbury Festival, Kanye West doesn't have to worry so much about being physically injured by falling off a stage or what have you. It's more likely Kanye is going to get pelted with pee. Yeah. When Kanye was announced as one of the headliners at Glastonbury, it did not go over very well with the Glastonbury Faithful. Now, why is that? I don't know anything about Glastonbury. Glastonbury is the world's most prestigious music festival. It's the, the probably the best known music festival in the world. What are you pouring yourself there? By the way? Oh, I'm pouring myself a, a yeah, round two, by the way, of a martini. Okay. All right. I've, I've learned some. that lesson that you know, when you run out, because I've, I've been sitting here waiting for you. To well, start I'm the on the road. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little late. You were a little, a little behind. That's okay. Yeah. I already downed one, and so now I'm on my second. So by the end of this show, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> okay. Back to Kanye. Mm. Um, tickets for Glastonbury go on sale in October, and they're sold out within hours. Like 100,000, 120,000 tickets gone within within hours. And how much does a ticket cost? Uh, oh, it's it's many, many hundreds of pounds. Okay. It's, a, it's an expensive ticket. Is it like for the full three days? Yeah. Okay. And um, it doesn't really matter who is performing because... The mud and the misery and the rain and the music. This is something that everybody in Britain and Europe seems to want to do. So fine. When it was, they started announcing acts. There was much dismay when Kanye West was was uh, announced, simply because, well, I don't think his Kardashian connections help him all that much. And there was some, I'm not really sure why, but there was some consternation that he isn't the kind of guy that really should be on the Glastonbury stage. He's just not, his music, his style, his everything, he's just not right for Glastonbury. So there was a, a petition uh, that at last check had 134,000 signatures on it, demanding that the promoters of Glastonbury dump Kanye and replace him with a proper alternative rock band of some sort. Unspecified, They don't say who. And I, I'm looking at a photo here of uh, last year's Glastonbury, and it's massive. So I can imagine your ability to make it to a porta potty is fairly minimal. Therefore, it's quite possible a solo cup would have the kind of content necessary to tell you real tell Kanye really what you think of his music. Right. So here's this. Here's what seems to be building through social media. Have your pint, save your cup, fill it full of pee, throw it at Kanye when he's on stage. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible, it's, it's a terrible thing. And I just can't, I just can't help. If, if it was anybody else. Well, yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. Uh, the, the, the issue is that you know that there are people who are going to think that they can make that throw from right field to home plate, and they're not going to make it. So if you're in the first 50 feet... Oh, yes. Good point. Up against the barricades. You know what's going to be coming down on your head. So this has this has the potential to be really ugly, really unsanitary and really just mean. So if the if Kanye sees some amber liquid falling from the sky on him, it's not people pitching their pints. Uh, They're seeing what was left of the pints they drank being pitched at him. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I, I hope that saner heads prevail, but I'm not sure they will. I 
millionaire heads appear to have prevailed when Taylor Swift went up against Apple on the three months free service of their new Apple Music streaming service, uh, saying, hey, wait a minute, we all as artists should get paid just because you're not billing your customers for three months doesn't mean we shouldn't get paid for three months. But I don't want to focus on Taylor Swift as much as I want to focus on the fact that while she doesn't need the money. I can imagine there were a fair number of indie musicians who were going to be substantially harmed by Apple trying to get away with not paying anybody for three months. Okay, here's the problem. They didn't communicate what they were doing. Apple said, Apple could not just say arbitrarily, we're not going to pay anybody for this three months. They would have had to make a deal with the rights holders, record labels, publishers, Right. It doesn't come down to the actual musicians like Taylor Swift. Right. So there was a deal. OK, the deal was that Apple would not pay anybody anything during those three months. However, they would keep track of who listened and how many people listened to what songs. And then those people, those artists would be compensated after the free period with a higher t- through a higher royalty rate. So they weren't going to get paid at the time, but they were going to get paid on the back end. Whoa, 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 whoa. This was not the angle we thought it was. That's right. Now, if you read what Eddie Q, the head of iTunes and Apple Music, said to Billboard magazine, he said, well, wait a second. It was never our intention not to pay these musicians. We were simply going to give them a higher royalty rate after the period, the freemium period was up. Now, okay, Taylor, we realize that maybe we were wrong or maybe we want to get out of this bad PR situation. We don't want to end up down going down the same road as, as Jay-Z. We're going to pay during the three-month period, and we will maintain our commitment to pay the higher royalty after the 90 days is up. So this has been a cluster poop in so many different ways. And now what happens is Taylor Swift comes out of this looking like the most powerful person in music. I'm sorry, is she not? Again, put on your tinfoil hat, just just come with me. Um, Taylor Swift and her company, Big Machine, uh, are approached by some record labels, and they say, you know, why don't we, you know, Taylor, you're well known as somebody who, who opposes streaming music services. Why don't we help you craft a letter that says all these things about Apple, accusing them of not paying artists, and take the high road on this, and then force Apple to, I don't know, back down in some way, or maybe teach them a lesson in some way? So this letter comes out, what, Friday? And then by Sunday night, Eddie Q says, hey, you're right. We quit. We, 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 we back down. We'll be paying everybody. We'll be paying more than we said that we were going to pay. Um, so you can imagine that Apple had a real big huddle on Saturday and Sunday to try and f- uh, figure out how to defuse the situation. I, I, I really think that there's way, way, way more to this situation than uh, what we've been told. You think at the end of the day, they're just going to shake it off? You had to go there. Own one of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show. You too can use the power of science to hold liquids, both hot or cold. Visit geeksandbeats.com today. There's a good chance within the next week, I am going to be the proud new owner of a new set of wheels. Oh, you're finally going to buy something. Okay, so what did... We're pulling the trigger. Okay, so you had the, uh, you had the Honda Accord, right? Yeah, we had the Civic. The Civic, sorry. And then Wifey decided, you know what this family needs? 
less love and harmony. We need to go on road trips. Oh, dear. So is that a minivan or an SUV? That's a, sort of a, a crossover vehicle, it's a, a SUV light. So we looked at the RDX. We looked at the Nissan Murano. It looks like the CX-5 by Mazda is the one we're coming down on. Now, you're a, you're a gearhead. You're a car guy. You're the man yep. who knows the stuff. CX-5 is a good vehicle. Is it? Yes, it is. With its Skyactiv technology, it's actually got a very good engine. It would be my second choice uh, beyond the Honda CRV that we have. We looked at the CRV, um, but the CRV didn't feel like as smooth a ride as the the CX-5 from Mazda. But at the end of the day, the most important thing to me, and the funny thing was, was when we walked in and I told the guy we were looking at an RDX or a Murano or the CX-5, he went on and on about what was under the hood. And I stopped him. I said, listen, I don't care what's under the hood. <laughs> All that matters to me is what's behind the dash. And and that's when he'd sort of changed tacts. And, of course, with the tech package and all this kind of nonsense, we're going to get the Bluetooth built in, the satellite radio, which I'll never listen to, and all that kind of nonsense. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Guarantee you. No, I never will. But what I was going to do was pick up from a company called Automatic at Automatic.com, a little dongle that plugs in the ODB2 port. Do you know of what I speak? This is the standard port that almost every vehicle has had since about 2000 that is under the driver's side uh, dashboard, which allows for all kinds of interactivity. Right. So you can monitor such things as tire pressure of your vehicle. You can do uh, all sorts of diagnostics. If the little check engine light comes on, the app will tell you what it is. And it's 100 bucks. I'm like, fantastic. I am going to buy one of these things. And then I get to the end of it, and it turns out that it's only available in the United States. However, Zuby is available for Canada. And I start doing some research on that and find myself on Forbes.com, where it turned out that some security researchers had hacked into this little gadget that turns any car into a connected car and figured out how to screw with it. No, really? The onboard diagnostics port, which to your point is found underneath the steering wheel on pretty much any car made after 1996 or so, um, has the ability with this Zuby dongle to communicate with the vehicle on a level that would allow the hacker to slam on the brakes. Really? Now, the company in its defense, has said that they've managed to figure out what the problem was. They worked with a company called Argus Cybersecurity, who figured out what the vulnerability was in the first place, managed to figure out how to solve the problem of the security vulnerability. But that doesn't mean there aren't others somewhere out there in the ether and devices like this, generally speaking. So here I'm concerned. I wanted to go out and get the connected car. The Apple Play service for your car is not going to come to a company like Mazda, or at least the vehicle I'm buying probably for another year or two. So I thought this would be a really neat way to get into that connected car experience before any of the automakers got in on it. And it turns out that I really need to be worried about what I'm exposing myself to when I do this. Do you remember the uh, Stephen King novel, Christine? Yes. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking right now. This is the Christine virus. I saw you guys at the football game. How'd you ever get that car fixed up like that? Oh, this plain old-fashioned hard work. Ever since he bought that car, he's been obsessed with it. And you know what else? They told us the man who owned that car last 
died in it. What do you know about that car? They said they didn't actually get to the point of slamming on the brakes on this vehicle, but what apparently they had done was literally walked up to a car in a parking lot and figured out how to do it on somebody's car. So anybody at some point could have been a guinea pig in this whole process. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like... Remember when we were all worried about people getting into our houses through our garage door openers who were hacking the codes in the garage door openers? Right. It's a more sophisticated hack than that. It's sidebar to that with all the new cars. Like, like you have to keep in mind, I'm driving what is now an 11 year old Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge technological leap. What maybe three to five years ago or so for the the general masses vehicle. Like you've been driving Porsches, right? So you you've had this for a while. No, no, no. I'm way behind on this. Oh, I, my, my 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 the our CRV technologically speaking in the dashboard is ahead of uh, my Porsche. Interesting. Interesting. But um, one of the things that the car does have is in the rear view mirror, there were three little buttons. And I asked the guy, well, what are these three little buttons attached to the, the rear view mirror? It's the remote control for your garage door. It's your home link control. Yes. Which I, again, the, the CRV of which I'm, I'm sure is the model you've got is when you make a right hand turn, there is a camera mounted on the uh, right hand passenger side view mirror now. Mm-hmm. So you actually get to look through the little screen to see if there's anybody coming up beside you that you otherwise wouldn't see. It's a terrific blind spot. uh, uh preventer, I guess. The only reason why we're not going with the Murano is it's a little too big, but it has the all round view. Oh, Yes, camera the front, camera the back, cameras on the side, and it creates a top-down 3D-ish view. And I really, really want that. So maybe by the time we go to air with next week's episode, the Canada Day episode, we will, in fact, uh, have the answer for you that maybe I convinced Wifey to go with the Murano after all. Hello, I'm Johnny Cat. Where can I take you tonight? Drive! Drive. Science Daily has an interesting piece where they pose a question about self-driving cars. And we've talked about anonymous autonomous vehicles for a while now. The question is, will your self-driving car be programmed to kill you if it means saving more strangers? Now, do we get into the three laws of robotics here? The Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics. One being that the robot cannot harm another human being intentionally. Mm-hmm. And... It has to sacrifice itself to save the human being. Now, did this article give an instance where the car might kill you to save others? That's what in this June 15th article out of the University of Alabama at Birmingham is focusing on. The computer brains inside autonomous vehicles will be fast enough to make life or death decisions. But the question is, should they? And a bioethicist is getting in on this dawning of the robot age, as they're calling it, saying that we have to make a decision as to whether or not we can do that. Give me a for instance. I, I can't I can't think of one right now. You either drive off a cliff or you slam into six bicycles coming around a bend. Oh, oh, okay. I get it. All right. That makes sense. You're never getting in behind the wheel of an autonomous vehicle anyway. I, I'm never going to get... I like to drive. I want to be in control. I do not want autonomous vehicles. Would you get behind the wheel? Fire us off an email, send us off a tweet, or call 323-319-NERD. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. This is your last week for your chance to win this sweet pair of RHA T10i headphones. $250. They're very good. They're certainly not Beats. 
No. Which we can get into in a moment, but I'm not a gearhead, but maybe because you are, you can explain to me what the 16 to 22,000 hertz impedance, 16 ohm sensitivity of 100 dB rated max power, one-fifth megawatt means. It means they sound good. It means they've got low bass, high highs, uh, and are basically very efficient, so you'll be able to get a lot of volume out of them. You've also got a three-button remote on this thing with a microphone, so it'll work with your iPhone or Android device. And when you've got them in your earballs, you look like a professional musician just because of the way they're they're shaped and designed. And the way you can win these is through a basically a raffle ticket. Join the world's worst intern program. And what makes it the worst is you pay us to work on the show. Don't do any actual work. Everybody wins. And if you put, give us a dollar per episode, that's one raffle ticket. If you give us ten, that's ten tickets, etc. If you give us twenty-five, that actually actually gets you a uh, co-producer credit on the big show, which Aaron Warner has done yet again. Oh, he really wants these things. Well, here's the way it works is with Patreon, it's great because you can say, sure, I'll support you for a dollar, but I'm only willing to do so for four episodes. And so you put a $4 lifetime limit on it. And at the end of that, we stop digging your credit card. So you don't have to worry about that. But he has not done so. He is a true co-producer by opening up his wallet and basically giving us a blank check. Well, thank you. Are we made some money this weekend? We have. Okay. This show brings in about 200 bucks an episode. It does. Okay. Now, in regards to the the uh, the money that we're making for the show, now we have to say that this anything that we make, we plow back into it. We don't take anything out of it. We either buy gear, we use it to register domains, we use it to pay for our hosting, all that sort of stuff. So we don't take anything out of this. However, um, I may use some of the portions of these donations that you have sent me to purchase an Apple Watch. I have not done so yet. Oh, see, the, the original plan was to set aside. for you, 33% for me, 33% for the big show, and I funneled some cash your way on behalf of the program to pay for an Apple Watch, and you haven't bought it yet? It's sitting in the PayPal account. Why haven't you done it? Because you were the one that told me not to buy one. You were saying that it would take eight or nine seconds for some of these apps to launch. Some of them even longer. I I got 16 seconds on my uh, Yahoo weather app. Okay, so that's wrong. So I'm waiting for version 2.0 of the software to come out. They're not going to they're they're not going to have a hardware update all the time because if you have some of these watches selling for $17,000, the last thing that you want to do is update the hardware and tell somebody that you spent $17,000 on a piece of hardware that is uh, now basically useless. So it's all the, it's all software based for the next little while. Yeah, so I really don't version- know if it's the hardware that makes it slow. Uh, and they updated to version 1.01 and it didn't make a bit of difference in the speed up. However, what may make a big difference at the Worldwide Developers Conference there in San Francisco. So how did you came? How did you flew? They are now making the apps native. In other words, at this point in the game, any app you put on an Apple Watch now, the developer has to jump through a bunch of hoops and they don't actually get access to the core of the Apple Watch itself. So there's an intermediary, a go-between, a translator. This is going to go away so that the developers get greater access to the internals of the unit, which may very well mean that these apps speed up. However, I would not be asking you to make a five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollar bet that that's going to happen. I'm going to wait for version 2.0. That money's going to sit there until that happens, and then I'll make a decision. I went out and I bought a uh, lightsaber at Toys R Us for my little girl so we can play in the back anyway. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she doesn't know this yet because it hasn't arrived, but uh, I also got her a uh, Jedi cape 
Ooh. Okay, that's very sweet. When's her birthday? Uh, her birthday was this a uh, couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. She's nine going on 19 now. Oh, great. So you're entering those years. Oh, yeah. Uh, is, is, is the, the Jedi cape a, a, a present for something in the future? Or? It's just for the hell of it. Because Father's Day came and went, right? And, and I got a, a Father's Day mug that was uh, designed and laid out like the uh, opening crawl from Star Wars. <laughs> okay. And it said, every good father teaches their child the ways of the Force. Oh, God. And she's so into it. She walks around with her lightsaber clipped to her pants. <laughs> so she's she's going to love the cape. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So have you gone? Oh, wait. Have you gone up to your kid and said, Olivia, I am your father? Have you done that yet? No. Oh, come on. Of, come of on. all the things, of all the things, no, not as of yet. Okay. After the podcast is over, that's the first thing you do. Yeah. So again, full circle, as we you know got off on this crazy tangent, uh, if uh, you like to support the show, you can get something in return. And so if you uh, donate a dollar per episode, we'll throw in a dollar or, or a single ticket uh, for these really cool pair of in-ear headphones that uh, are really fantastic. Noise isolating, as they call them. Not noise canceling, which is a whole different technology. Noise isolating because you wedge them into your ear ball there. Patrick Charles at uh, geeksandbeats.com heard last week us talking on the Ask Alan Anything segment about earplugs, and he has a pair of earplugs that he's reviewed on geeksandbeats.com right now that he says you absolutely have to have these things. They're not expensive. They're 15 bucks on Amazon. They're called Downbeats, and what attracted him to it is they came in their own little carrying case, which was part of your keychain. See? Real smart. You just put that on your keychain, then they're with you all the time, and you find yourself at a show. All you got to do is reach into your pocket, and there they are. That's a great idea. He says they shave 18 decibels off the top end and give you a nice crystal clear sound as part of the whole experience. And uh, there are other options as well. Uh, and uh, he says uh, you want to you want to protect your hearing or wind up like this guy. And it's a link uh, to uh, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend of the Who, Stone Deaf. Yeah, yeah. Pete's uh, pretty much deaf in one ear, and he's got about 50 percent in the other. Geeks and Beats update on the Dirty Beats headphones secret. So somebody did a, a, te- a teardown of a, of a model of Beats headphones. And found that they were actually the crap we all thought they were. Well, there's about, I think, 18 or $19 worth of stuff, worth of yeah. components in it. And there were four pieces of metal whose only job was to make the headphones feel heftier. Right, because you feel that if you're dropping $200 on a pair of headphones, on a pair of cans, as we say in the business, Mm. you definitely want to have an element of weight to it. Sidebar, I accidentally, on air, speaking to a female co-host, asked her if she would buy a new pair of cans. Oh, no. And uh, I swear to God, (laughs) because, you know, cans is an industry term. It is. Everybody calls their headphones cans. She, she, She looked at me. Like, I was an idiot. She's, you're lucky you did not get punched in the throat. Oh, I got an email from the boss. Come see me, please. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. I walked right in. Mia culpa, right out of the gate. I am so sorry, Ed. Yeah, sorry. I was talking about headphones. So if you're dropping 200 bucks, um, you find that most of the weight on these things comes from pieces of metal that actually have no purpose whatsoever. Okay, now here's my question. Is that really unethical? 
Yes, it is, because the drivers are off-the-shelf drivers for your earpiece that really don't give you any better sound than anything else out there. Right, but if you look at a pair of Beats headphones, I don't think that anybody is going to dispute, including me, and I'm not a fan of these things, that they are very well put together. And they feel good in your hands, right? No, they're plasticky. I don't like. You don't that like? At all. Okay, but they're the seams are nice and tight. They're well finished, mm. and and so maybe so. when you put a few weights in them just to make them feel. I can't believe I'm actually defending. What, what have you done with Alan Cross? And who are you? I know, I know. Never mind, never mind. I, I've just been having an ethical issue with this one. Maybe it's not such a bad thing, or maybe it is. I don't know. But maybe you go up and buy a pair of Sennheisers or Sony's, please. I did. I'm looking right now. I got a pair of Sennheisers on. These are a beautiful pair. I don't even remember what the heck I, I bought them, but I bought them on the Apple store. So that tells you everything you need to know about me. Got a question about music, love, that suspicious rash? Ask Alan anything. Call 323-319-NERD. Is it really a big deal that Spotify changed their logo color? Seriously? Well, listen, anytime a company changes their logo, it is a big deal because your logo is something that everybody remembers. Well, it's, it's, it's your, the visual representation of your, of, your, uh, of your company. So Spotify, over the last week, changed their green, which I some people said it was a Shrek green. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, you know, for me personally... That old shade of green that Spotify used for their logo and for their interface was actually rather soothing. I, I find it inviting. The new one is quite jarring, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's it's almost neon. Almost in its in its greenness. It's that's um, okay. So we went from a Shrek green to a watermelon rind. I was going to say Kermit the Frog green. No, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it's not easy being Spotify. It is not easy being Spotify because I'm looking at this on my color corrected monitor and you know it's it's a bit bright for me. It's a bit it's they said that they wanted it to pop. Well, it pops and and right now I have a I, I find it a little bit uh, too much. What's an audio guy doing with a color corrected monitor? I don't know. I just Did you I, get one of those little doodads that you actually put up against the screen to measure no, the actual No, no, no. It was the internal uh, software that actually did it. Oh, so you went through that ridiculous calibration process and nobody bothers to do but you. Exactly. Mm. I, I did that because, you know, it said uh, this is a cinema display monitor. You should do, you know, you're using it for cinema things. All right, you ready with your tinfoil hat? Oh, what have we got now? From Russia with love I fly to you. Ex-KGB agent, we financed UK punk to destabilize the West. I remember hearing about this a number of years ago. And it has surfaced again because it showed up at a website called Louder Than War. The thinking was that back in the 1970s, the KGB and or whoever else infiltrated the UK punk scene and financed part of it as a way to destabilize the political system of the West, especially in the United Kingdom. And there is a former KGB agent by the name of Alexandrov Varinikov. Uh, Alexander Varinikov Voloshin. He claims to that, that back then, the, uh, the KGB financed bands like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and whoever else in order just to stick it to people like Margaret Thatcher. 
Apparently, many of the band's songs were written by a team of psychologists and war propagandists of the USSR. Well, in fact, on Saturday, no, I'm sorry, on Friday, um, he talks about these psychologists and sociologists and propagandists working together in a place on Denmark Street in London. I was actually at that building on Friday in Denmark Street in London. And I, 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 I think if you would talk to Johnny Rotten about this, Johnny Lydon about this, he would uh, certainly um, wish to correct this gentleman about who wrote those songs. The former KGB agent, who's now 77 years of age, what what would he have? What benefit would there be for him to lie through his teeth claiming that Johnny Rotten and he sat down with a clipboard and figured out the most effective way to overthrow the Western world? This this tiny rehearsal space is now uh, it's a music store and uh, it's really, 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 really tiny. And I just can't imagine it because Denmark Street is a short street uh, just off Charing Cross Road and uh, not too far just south of, of Oxford Street. And if anybody, if gray, if men in gray suits with clipboards were to walk down this street in 1976 and 1977, given the other people that would be hanging out in that part of London, they would be immediately beaten up and robbed. So I can't imagine <laughs> them actually making it into the studio. Yeah, but at the same time, they wouldn't be wearing, you know, your men in black style suits in the first place. Have you been watching the TV show The no, no, Americans? Wait a no, hang on back. I'm going to read from his story. He says, uh, Denmark Street rehearsal room, uh, a very crowded space with rotten and chum surrounded by gray suited men with clipboards. So, yes, they had gray suits. They would have <laughs> walked in there wearing their KGB outfits. I, I'm with you. They would probably get rolled. Oh, on, on Denmark Street back then? Absolutely. Absolutely. How was Abbey Road Studios? This was like your second big tour while you were there in London for the Dave Grohl Foo Fighters concert that never happened. I called in so many favors to get this done. Uh, I had a, a tour through uh, Studio 1, 2, and 3 at Abbey Road. I got to touch, <laughs> walking into one room, walking into Studio 2, which is where the Beatles did all their best work. And there's this beat-up piano on uh, against one wall. It's got this Challen piano, C-H-A-L-L-E-N. And I go, wow, that's that's pretty beat up and old. And uh, Colette, the woman who was uh, taking us through the place, said, oh, yeah, that was one of the pianos that they used to form the last chord on the song A Day in Life. was one of the pianos they used. The other ones are around here somewhere. Just sort of offhanded, casual. Just offhanded. Just, just go. I mean, that, the, this, this, that, 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 that piano. She goes, oh yeah. I mean, you know, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. You see that thing over there? I go, yeah. Oh, that's an awful looking piano, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's the Lady Madonna piano. That's what Paul McCartney used to play the melody in Lady Madonna in 19, in February of 1968. Oh, oh, um, <laughs> really? And you see that uh, over there, that, that Hammond organ? We've lost control. Oh, I have no idea how many sessions that's, that was used on. And this, she points to this microphone, uh, and it's, a, it's an old Neumann U47, which means it was made in East Germany in 1947. And she says, I guarantee you that if you were to swab that for DNA, 
you would find John, Paul, Ringo, and George's spittle in it. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? As, as you walked through and people just casually pointed out these incredible relics of history, when my wife and I honeymooned in London, I was amazed, being a Torontonian, with a city as young as Toronto is, that so many Londonites or Londoners were walking past a, a Roman wall that was literally, not figuratively, literally 3,000 years old. And, and the city felt like a living museum such that you would only get as an experience in Toronto in an air-conditioned environment, in an enclosed museum environment. And that people just like, yes, this sure, this is a thousand-year-old city. I'm just going to keep on walking. Thank you very much. I've got an appointment. Never mind the fact that, you know, Roman centurions guarded this wall, you know, back before the days of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and if we were to dig down deep enough, we would find their coins and their poop. Speaking of, of Jesus Christ, at geeksandbeats.com, Amber Healy's been reporting on uh, the tweets of God. Oh, God's on Twitter now? Which has been turned into a Broadway production starring Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Really? You, you haven't followed the tweet of God? It's my new all-time favorite Twitter account. No. What, what is God tweeting about? What's on his mind? Well, for example, there was Father's Day that just passed, and his tweet was, It's tough being a single dad. <laughs> Which, okay. in and to itself, if I recall my Catholicism, that is not wholly and wholly accurate. Uh, okay, we're, okay, we're dealing with a trinity here, so are we talking about... No, 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 because he's not a single dad because there was Mary, right? So technically she's the, she's the, the mother of God. No, wait, no, 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 no. You're all, you're all, you're all buggered up here. No, that, that's not right. I mean, are we talking about God, God, as opposed to Jesus, son of God versus the Trinity? No, 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 no. You're, you're the one, Mr. I don't, didn't study my catechism, nor did I for that matter. But, um, you've got Jesus Christ was born of Mary. Right. The mother of God. Therefore, after she died, clearly she went to heaven because could you imagine the mother of God ending up in hell? I don't think so. You get a pass on that stuff. No, no, no. In Medjugorje, I mean, that whole thing. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a... Uh, hmm. All right. So we're, 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 we're dealing with some theological sophistry here. I don't want to get into it, but I understand what you're saying about like God, God, the guy who parted the, the, the heavens into heavens and earth. The New York Times had a, an interesting preview uh, with the comedy writer uh, David Jabberbaum, who has won like 13 Emmys. 11 of them was for his work on The Daily Show. And five years ago, he started the Twitter account. He's got two million followers. And my favorite part is, is there's only one person on Twitter that God follows. And you know who that is? Who? Justin Bieber. <laughs> He said, quote, I've had my jokes seen by millions of people, like all TV writers do, but it's just not the same thing, even though a given theater crowd is much smaller, that visceral feeling of being in the audience and feeling the laughter, not as a series of electrons abstractly being transmitted to a horde of unseen people, but actual sounds being taken in and responded to by real-life human beings you're looking at is amazing. Now, the play which basically is in the voice of God, and it goes through explaining all sorts of things about how um, God came to make the decisions he did about everything. Um, It's playing at Studio 54. No. Yeah. 
and my favorite tweet so far was the one that immediately followed Donald Trump announcing his candidacy as a Republican candidate for the U.S. presidency. And what did God say? Donald Trump is the kind of ass other ass look at say, now there's an ass. I so much want Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States. I really think that that would be wonderfully entertaining. And the Lord saw that it was good. <laughs> yes, and it would be great for every late night comedian for at least four years. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.